Uh, welcome to Good Returns TV. I'm Philip McAllister. Joining me in the studio now is Cecilia Farrow. Cecilia uh, works as a consultant in the industry, specialising in the business risk space and also a former uh, director of Financial Advice New Zealand. Welcome, Cecilia. Thank you, Philip. Yeah, nice to see you. So tell me, in the business risk space, what are you seeing at the moment? I mean, it seems like an area, a market which has got a lot of potential in it and we're not maybe necessarily seeing the growth that we should be seeing. You know, do we have the products in there we need? Um, I, so firstly, Philip, I think the market potential is enormous and it's not being tapped into. Mm. And, uh, and globally, we know it's not being tapped into. This is not a New Zealand issue. If we sort of define what we mean by the, you know, the, the, the business risk space first, I think it's quite helpful because it puts a framework around it. Um, and traditionally, when I came into the industry, if you were being trained in business risk, you know, the main focus of your training was around companies that had multi-shareholders and um, the complexities around putting in place buy and sell agreements and everything else that went with that uh, and the risks associated with not getting it right meant a lot of advisors actually just felt it was too complex, too, too, hard, yeah. too hard, you know. So how's it changed now? Because I think um, the work that has been done and, and, and you know a lot of it is really kind of working out the market sectors is that uh, yes, there is a sector of the market in New Zealand, about 50,000 companies by my reckoning, uh, that um, are SMEs but have multi-ownership structures where you've got parcels of shares held by independent people. The majority of our businesses, and, and again, this is a global thing, the majority of the businesses are what we call micro. So, you know, they're one to five people uh, in the business and, and, and in most cases, almost all the revenue is actually being driven by the owner or the founder of that company. Yeah. And there's not any other shareholder structure in there. Mm. And uh, so in New Zealand, that's about 450,000 enterprises that fit that micro business so it's category. Quite a, quite a big universe, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But they have a really different set of problems mm. than a larger um, privately held mm. company. Mm. And the reality is that being able to support advisors to give advice to micro businesses, uh, the complexities are a lot lower. Yeah. So, so, do we have the products we need, or do we need more innovation in our space? What's your view of that? Uh, there's an enormous need for innovation around the product development, and again, this is a challenge for advisors yeah. because once you start working out that there's a good advice process to follow or how I need to engage with these customers to work out and solve their problems. You look at the product and largely, I think it's fair to say, and again, this is not just a New Zealand characteristic, it's the same in Australia and it's the same in the UK um, and other markets, is that um, what insurers have endeavoured to do is take their personal range of products and um, apply them to a business context. So they're sort of bastardising those products to sort of make them do a purpose which they weren't designed for. Designed I, talk, for. I talk about so it as retail rebadging, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> which is politer, or more polite, sorry. Um, uh, so, so there actually needs to be more innovation in the space and more product developed is essentially what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, at the moment, that again, you know, our challenge is uh, I personally don't think, um, and, and no insurer who knows me, and most of them do, uh, would would know that I don't. I say this to them as well as I'm mm. saying it to these circumstances that um, the insurers themselves, I don't think, deeply understand 
the problems that small businesses need to be solved in yeah. terms of risk. So, so, so it must be a huge opportunity to also help address this under-insurance problem, which we're all aware of. Yeah. Well, um, look, you, you quite a few years ago when Naomi and I were just sitting down one day, Naomi Ballantyne was sitting down sort of chewing the fat around this because she's very passionate about mm -hmm. it like I am. And, you know, using a really simple sigma, mm. uh, we estimate that there's about $3 billion worth of uh, premium opportunity, which is unmet in New Zealand. Oh, that's huge. In yeah. the UK, uh, when this research was done about 10 years ago, was about £1.4 trillion. And so this is annual premium. Annual premium. Yeah. And yeah. this is product or sales that have never yet been made. So mm. you yeah. look at the personal risk space, and we know that there's no real growth happening mm. in that marketplace. And we know that quite a lot of uh, what is deemed to be new premium to insurer was mm. a product that's already mm. been previously sold to a client from another insurer. Yeah, yeah. It's not actually true growth. Yeah. Whereas business insurance, it's what I call new, new premium. New, yeah. yeah. And and so you've also been saying to me that, you know, there's no um, higher educational pathways and and level five is probably too low. What, what would you like to see there? Um, well, to be clear in terms of level five is a general competence. Mm. And, and this is something I pushed for really hard when I was in the skills all committee for a review mm. because back originally in the um, certificate, there was one unit standard, which was related to business risk. And, and it was called the risk strand specialist. Uh, and I can't train advisors properly in business risk, even for micro business, if I had them in you know, training for two weeks, let alone to do one unit standard, which represents about one hour of learning. So uh, we did push quite hard and it, and it was achieved that the level five certificate is clearly personal risk and it's actually defined as yes. that. Right? So it's not designed to give advisors uh, knowledge um, and um, professional qualifications to advise in business risk. Yeah. So at the moment, if I look at the code and it says, you know, I'm responsible as an individual for ensuring that I have the knowledge, skills and the competence for the financial services I give, my level five qualification is my general competence. Yeah. But then I have to look at the financial services offering that I have and I have to go, well, does that general competence fill, you know, or meet, allow me to meet those standards. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm saying, as my value proposition to customers, I do business risk, then general competence it's not is good not. Enough. Yeah, it's not high enough. It's not yeah. even so, so it needs to be higher. <clears throat> and, and there's a review of the whole level five qualifications going on at the moment. What's your, what, what would you like to see come out of that? Um, without knowing what the purpose of the review is, Philip, I think that, uh, I, I, so firstly, I don't think we'll see business risk come into a level five but, qualification. But you'd like to see it put in there? And no, I it. wouldn't like to see it in level five. I would like to see a qualification similar to the type of thing that I did when I originally did Chartered mm. Life Underwriter and about 54 other advisors in New Zealand have done, um, which is the diploma level qualification. So that's seven? Level seven, yeah. 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 Uh, but what I hope will be an outcome is, um, and again, different to when I do it, I had a degree, I had a level five qualification, but to do level, to do my chartered mm. life underwriter, I had to do level seven, mm. which meant I had to start from scratch because I couldn't cross credit any of the level five qualification into the higher standard. 
And that is something that is actually under review, uh, where if I've done level five, even if I've received the certificate, that I can carry those unit standards forward, which means that then I'm doing the top up papers, perhaps, you know, level two and three, level so, three. So, so how much is this going to be a chicken and egg thing? Because, you know, people, you know, we've seen that a lot of advisors didn't want to do level five and they've, they've exited and some have done it, you know, reluctantly to stay in the industry. And if, if they need to be at a higher level to do business risk, you know, what's the incentive for them to do that? Um, well, firstly, if they want to do business risk. <laughs> And, and business risk is, is, to me, you know, you've quantified the scale of it. So, like, I mean, it's always surprised me that more advisors don't play in the space. Well, if you looked on their websites, there's a lot more that say they do than what the insurers tell me they do. And this is, I think, is a really interesting dilemma and something businesses are going to have to really think about. I did a wee bit of a study about three years ago and just went on to 500 uh, risk advisor websites to see how many of them disclosed or stated that a part of their service proposition was business risk. Mm. And over half of them did, right? They said they actually had a channel that said our services and it included this business risk. But if you went and saw them, you probably wouldn't get anything. Well, <laughs> there would be a couple of things, that, and it's becoming more and more evident to me. If I then went in and said, well, you've got a license, and in your license you have vouched that you have advice process and procedures and so on, what is your advice process and procedures for the service line business risk? And I suspect that many of them wouldn't actually have an answer to that. So that's actually quite a big issue, isn't it? Isn't it that something that it's a people, risk. people like the FMA should be, I mean, when they're doing their licensing process, shouldn't they be identifying that? Well, the, uh, the whole process of um, applying for your licence was you verifying um, or validating for yourself mm. that you had done these things. And it would be through some audit process where that might be identified mm. that, it, that it hadn't been done. So I think the, the, uh, it's an opportunity as well as it's a risk. Yeah. If I have a licence and I have said my service line is business risk, then I need to have process. Yeah. But if I have also said that I'm a specialist in business risk and I claim that on my website, then as an advisor I need to be able to demonstrate that I have maintained, met and then have maintained my professional development competence, yeah. skills and knowledge. And the challenge right now for advisors around that is where do I go to get education, so training so, 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 yeah, and competency yeah. in the business risk market. Mm, so there's a lot of challenges out there in this space and it's uh, going to yes. be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Look, we'll wrap it up there, but thank you for coming in, Cecilia. That's, That's been really pleasure. interesting uh, learning about the business risk space. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>